what does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go Beyond the Scripts. Everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Scripts. I'm your host, Will Tuft with Pioneer Rx. And today, as usual, we have an amazing guest joining us this time from the state of Colorado, Mr. Joseph Poling. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. Yeah, so um, relative newcomer in the industry, another another one of the young guns out there making a big splash up in Colorado. So tell me a little bit about your journey to Good Day Pharmacy. Yeah, you bet. So I've only worked for Good Day Pharmacy. I haven't worked for, for a chain pharmacy. Uh, I graduated from University of Wyoming. Born and raised in Colorado, went up to Wyoming, knew I wanted to do independent pharmacy. And I met the owners at the time, Dave and Vicky at an NCPA conference in pharmacy school. Um, had I had no idea what pharmacy was. I had no idea about Good Day Pharmacy, literally at the same town that I grew up in. Um, and yeah, just knew that I wanted to do independent pharmacy and um, connected with those guys, Dave and Vicky, and got a job with them after graduating and been with them 12 years and uh, I just, yeah, it's been a, a fun path to kind of see all the areas of pharmacy and specifically independent pharmacy. Um, but yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah. So shout to, uh, Dave and Vicky, uh, Vicky was on episode 23 of the catalyst pharmacy podcast. Uh, so I got to talk to her a couple years ago, I guess. Uh, so it'll be fun to kind of touch base and, and see how things have changed, uh, in that time, but you said something kind of interesting. I, I didn't realize that you were actually from Loveland. Uh, and so there you have Good Day Pharmacy in your backyard and uh, going to pharmacy school and yet, you know, still hadn't kind of made that connection, which I think is interesting because a lot of people that I talk to that aren't in pharmacy or don't have a, you know, a professional tie to pharmacy, uh, a lot of times just don't even realize what independent pharmacies are in their own community and, and what they can offer. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of times they, they may drive past that thinking that that's not a business that necessarily caters to, to their needs. Maybe that's like some specialized niche that they don't, they don't fit. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's silly that, yeah, I had no idea about good day pharmacy and, and I'm a huge advocate or at least trying to help others have pharmacies in big, bigger cities. Of course, if you're the only pharmacy in town or rural location, people know about you. And I don't know who said the quote. I like to steal quotes, but someone said people either don't like you or they don't know you. And I, a little biased, of course, but I would choose to believe that most people in our area don't know of us. And even literally myself growing up a mile north of the corporate office. So very true. Um, yeah, so we're trying to get our name out there and trying to get more people aware of not just us, but all independent pharmacies that are, you know, providing great quality service. Yeah, I like that. Um, again, uh, eternally optimistic outlook there that uh, they either don't know you or they don't like you. And I, I think for most independent pharmacies, uh, you know, a lot of the population out there just doesn't know them. 
just doesn't know that that's uh, you know an option. I, I know uh, early, you know, in my twenties, uh, you know, if I got a prescription for something, um, you know, I, I drove past multiple independents on my way to what I recognized as pharmacy because, you know, I kind of assumed that if I walked into an independent with, uh, you know, a antibiotic or, or, or whatever it was, you know, that they would just kind of look at me funny, like, why are you here? You know? <laughs> yeah. Where do we get all those ideas from? You know, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's a mystery. And I think a lot of people think independent pharmacies are more expensive too. It, for that reason, like, oh, this is a small mom and pop shop. You know, they only have unique things that I don't need. I need to go to the traditional, you know, XYZ chain pharmacy. And yeah, so it's certainly not the case. Yeah. I mean, uh, there, there's definitely something to be said for marketing and visibility. Um, you know, I, and you can kind of take that to so many other other areas. I know one of the kind of comical marketing things we see in my community, uh, there, there are a couple like um, – attorneys in the state of Louisiana that are like noted for their billboards. And it's kind of like an ongoing joke. They're so absurd and there's so many of them. And so, you know, you're probably going to get much, much, much better service with a trusted local <laughs> uh, attorney who, who has an established practice in your community. Uh, but they just don't have that same visibility as the guy with all the crazy billboards. It's like, you know, he's kind of a, uh, um, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say a, a uh, entertainment figure at this point, but definitely increased visibility. Yeah, e even though, yeah, even though he's definitely not going to be delivering the better service. <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't know. And maybe I'm uh, also biased. So, um you uh, you go to Wyoming, which is uh, a little ways away, I guess. Um, while you're in school there, one of the things I found out about you was that you were actually <laughs> part of the um, uh, 2012 group that was uh, one of the 10 finalists for the uh, – was it the 2010 Good Neighbor uh, Pharmacy, uh, the uh, business plan competition. So – it seems like early on you uh, you kind of had that entrepreneurial mi uh, mindset. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, no, I I'm uh, scared. What else are you gonna dig up here <laughs> on the podcast? Um, yeah, no, it was fun. So being an NCPA, of course, it's all about independent pharmacy, local pharmacy, and yeah, and I just I love working with others and collaborating with others, and I love ideas, and uh, I just love new and change and shiny, shiny. Ooh, that's shiny. Um, and so with the business plan. Uh, there were four of us and we just were like, oh my gosh, in Laramie, you know, University of Wyoming, where we're, where the school is, it's like there's no good uh, acute care type setting for students or residents that live here. And it's like you go to the ER or you go to, you know, these doctor's offices that are busy. So kind of like today's world too. Um, it's we're like, man, we should, you know, come up with this idea to have a acute care type pharmacy. And so we put together a business plan. It was a lot of fun. Learned a lot. It's hilarious looking back. I still have it saved, the PDF. I'm like, oh my gosh, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we we missed so many huge things. And so I'm amazed that we were top 10. But um, yeah, a few years later, then sure enough, someone implements that plan and there's an acute, 
acute care type pharmacy setting in Laramie now. So kind of fun, um, fun to see. It's like, okay, we, our idea was, was okay. Cause someone's, you know, someone ran with it, but, uh, yeah, it was fun. Just, um, being involved with NCPA, knowing that I wanted to do independent pharmacy, just tried to learn and absorb as much as I could. So I tried to get involved. Nice. So coming out of school, you go back home to uh, Loveland area. Uh, one of my favorite places in the whole country. That That is just such an amazing part of the country. Um, did you always kind of have that in mind? Like, I want to go kind of back home. I want to stay local. Or did you want to travel abroad? Did you uh, Were you tempted to go, you know, try it out in another area? I had an opportunity to move up to Montana. Um, I had a job offer up there and uh, Dave and Vicky will laugh because they were uh, dragging their feet on me a little bit. So I almost did that. They, <laughs> they couldn't make an offer for me. So, but they did in time and the rest is history. So yeah, I, I always wanted to be local. I just, you know, maybe not necessarily live in Loveland still, but yeah, I just, I like community. I like building relationships. I like, um, yeah, I liked the thought of, you know, working in the town that I grew up in and seeing my t- high school teachers and, you know, just, uh, college, college friends that were, you know, in the area high school friends. And, um, yeah, so no, no plans to go abroad or anything crazy like that though. Nice. So you, um, you come back home and start on as a staff pharmacist. Uh, are you playing soccer at that time? Still playing a lot of soccer? Oh, heck yeah. I got to, got to avoid the dad bod, you know, the dad bod, the fight is real. The struggle is real. So yeah, play soccer. Um, yeah, it's fun, fun way to, to burn off some, some stress. <laughs> I try, I try to play not as fast as I once was, but yeah, still played soccer for sure, which we, we have. So in Windsor, so I'm in, I live in Windsor. Um, there's uh, a new a complex called future legends. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh-uh. Appar- apparently it's the the second either the largest or the second largest dome indoor dome in the country and so there's indoor soccer fields volleyball basketball it's like right there in windsor it's like we're the second largest in the country so anyways i play soccer there and we play a little outdoor soccer too so. yeah we need something like that here um i'm i'm like right kind of between the on the state line of texas and louisiana and um, it is unbearably hot. <laughs> we need we need some kind of dome for <laughs> just for protection to go outside. <laughs> go from AC to AC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, you started on uh, what 2012? You said at Good Day. Um, so what did that look like early on, and how did you transition into a leadership role from a, a young staff pharmacist? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, so started in 2012, had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Fun to look back. Um, always measure backwards because it makes you feel really good. Um, so yeah, I, I staffed, was a float pharmacist working at multiple locations, kind of learning what worked, what I liked, what I didn't like, what I saw from other uh, other team members and pharmacists. And so I floated for about, I think, five months, five or six months, and um, an opportunity became available to manage our flagship location in Loveland, which was compounding at the time. We did hospice, a ton of deliveries, kind of a little bit of everything. And the first six months, I was just all about learning and helping and trying to make it easier for those that I worked with. And so um, 
it was fun to hear feedback from some of the teams like, oh man, yeah, you're here today. Like, awesome. You know, we, we like having you kind of thing. It, yeah. Just work hard and help people. You know, it's, it's very easy. Um, or it, it was, I guess maybe natural for me. Cause again, I just love to help people and, um, help the teams, you know, certainly helping customers too. But, um, I think my path to leadership was helping the internal, you know, colleagues that I had and team members that I had. And, um, so yeah, started managing at Loveland, uh, in, in early 2013, again, just learning, figuring out what I needed to, to know and needed to learn. Uh, and yeah, just ultimately tried to make things better. Um, I, I love, I could easily become a workaholic. So there might've been, um, some of that too, staying late, you know, going in early, staying late, not always good on, you know, marriage relationships, things like that. So I've learned over the years, <laughs> to put uh, barriers or, you know, limitations, you know, it's like, all right, I got to step away from work, but yeah, just, just put in a lot of effort and time and uh, wanted to help my team members internally have an easier job and a less stressful job. And then for customers and patients, I, I just love again, connecting with people. Um, I had my first job uh, growing up or one of my main jobs that I had for about six years was cold stone creamery. So that was the best job to teach me customer service and every yeah. single customer coming in through the door. Hey, how's it going? You know, and, and the people that I worked with are amazing and super fun. And we were singing and dancing and crazy. And Cold Stone is not what it once was when we go to Cold Stone. And Kip, <laughs> Kip now I'm like, you have to sing and dance for me. And I yeah. sing along with them, you know, but um, so, yeah, that that taught me a ton about customer service. So shout out Cold Stone. Um, good, great ice cream, too. Uh I think any any of those service jobs, food service especially, is such a great like just growth experience and and like uh, study in psychology and and sociology. <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, and so, tra- putting that in the pharmacy world, you know, just engaging with customers at Cold Stone, it's like, yeah, do the same thing at Good Day Pharmacy and just, hey, how's it going? You know, um, so I was just friendly and and I tried to know people's names, of course, which most independent pharmacies do. And, and that, that goes a long way. That's of course, you know, our favorite word is our own name. You know, when we hear someone say our name, so will, you know, it's just, it feels good. And so, uh, did, did a lot of that early on. Um, so helped help the team members and then just tried to, to make customers days better and just be friendly and listen and, and, and also just try to be fast and kind of do everything, which everyone knows in pharmacy, you got to multitask like no no other so anyways yeah nice so uh for anyone that's not familiar with good day pharmacy uh currently you guys have what eight locations and a long-term care 10 10 uh 10 community locations one central fill and then one long-term care so 12 12 good day pharmacies and uh what what was that like in in 2013 similar number maybe uh, let's see. I think we had two. So we did not have our, our central bill. And then we recently acquired a sterile compounding pharmacy. So that was new. So yeah, similar, similar number. We're, we're not about growing in, in number of locations. We want to get better before we get bigger and that's stealing from Chick-fil-A. I mentioned I steal a lot of quotes. So yeah, very similar structure in 2013, similar location number. 
Nice. Yeah. So if you look at a map of Colorado, there's, you know, quite a few little dots on the map for good day, but they are still relatively close by. So it is neat that you have that kind of, uh, you know, geographic footprint. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing that so many people still don't know of us. So it's, it is so important to get your name out there. And of course we've been focused on five-star reviews. That's been helping a ton. And now, uh, now is the best time to transfer in patients to independent pharmacies because the experience at chain pharmacies is not where it needs to be. You know, and we all know that and see that and they're closing and the teams meet, you know, they're great people that work there um, and they mean well and they're doing their best. And yeah, there's just a high demand on them and it's stressful and they're burnt out. And it's like, that's what most of Americans experience, including you know, policymakers. And so it's like, what is happening to pharmacy? And so now is the best time to transfer those patients over. Um, so yeah, getting your word out, getting your name out there. And, um, you know, we've been doing a lot of geofencing recently. That seems to be working pretty well for us. Uh, and then five-star reviews, like I said, people are looking elsewhere. And um, yeah, so even though we're, we have a lot of dots and again, we don't care that we have a lot of dots. We just want to make a difference. Um, but you know, a lot of people still don't know of us. So we're just, you know, always open to try new things marketing wise. Yeah. Yeah, no, but those dots definitely kind of grow into, you know, a, a network adequacy across your community. So it is cool to have that, that blanket. And then that's a good point that you said too, the awareness just that comes with five-star reviews, because anymore, like if you're looking for something, the first thing you do is open your phone and, you know, open an app, whether it's, you know, a maps application or just, you know, Google search. Um, but definitely that, that testimonial from a customer who's, you know, relatable, uh, definitely is going to make all the difference in the world that that means so much more to have that organic feedback than a, you know, a radio spot even, which is great, you know, but, um, you know, any, anything that feels honest like that, uh, from a peers is always, you know, that social feedback so valuable. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. I would encourage anyone listening to, uh, text through pioneer, which is so, so easy. Just have, you know, a copy and paste snippet and a love our service, leave a five-star review and link your, uh, your Google, uh, review and you could certainly do that with Yelp too but that's the, the best way and easiest way it's like oh my gosh I just you know found this product for that patient or they were like oh my gosh I love you guys always 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 text those patients right then in there to get five-star reviews and and tell them like hey we'd love a five-star review it helps us they'll do it um at you always ask for what you want and so I would encourage everyone to do that um and then and whoever is managing that and seeing that you know on Google business profile or Yelp, share that with your team. Cause that's another thing. It's, we have a, a Slack channel and, and all of our teams see every single five-star review. We hide, we hide the one-star reviews. They don't see that. <laughs> we follow up on those uh, internally. Um, but uh, all the five-star reviews, it's kind of like, you know, like, man, you guys were awesome. And so everyone can kind of, you know, high five and a little camaraderie. Um, so anyways, yeah, no, I love that. And, you know, one of the things that I'm going to five-star review on is is not necessarily the ice cream that I got at Coldstone because ice cream is, you know, always kind of ice cream. But it, you're definitely 
you know, going to have that icebreaker, that, 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 you know, success is, is really on that interaction with the person that, I mean, that's, what's going to push it over the edge and make me want to go, you know, make sure that I, I leave a compliment. Yeah. 100%. So you mentioned the uh, geofencing, and that's something we we hear people kind of throw out there that you should do. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys are are doing that? Are you targeting you know specific kind of genres of businesses, or you know what are you looking at when you're making those decisions? And then what kind of platform are you using? Yeah, you bet. Um, yeah, so we have a marketing specialist. Her name's Katie. She's awesome. So shout out Katie if you listen to this. Um, she is currently using a couple different platforms. Uh, we work with a local gal that does some geofencing and then we have, um, it's called ground truth. Um, and that's a platform that you can kind of learn geofencing on your own. So she's kind of teaching herself a little bit, just working with our, the local gal and then ground truth. And so the businesses that we like to target are certainly the high foot traffic chain pharmacies, um, in our area. So the top three chain pharmacies that are nearby. So we geofence those because of course, tons of foot traffic. And then, you know, if we're our Longmont location, for example, they're right by an Ace Hardware. It's like, okay, we know there's a ton of people walking in there that probably have no idea that Good Day Pharmacy is right across the street, even though we think it's so obvious and we're, you know, we're not out there yet standing and dancing on the street corners. But <laughs> um, so high, high foot traffic businesses nearby are in the same parking lot. And the chain pharmacies. Um, and then, you know, you can get more specific, of course, and like, hey, we want to we want to target more work comp claims. So, OK, let's target some work comp provider offices um, or, you know, hospitals like, hey, we want to do all the discharge, you know, transitions of care. Let's, you know, geofence the hospital. It gets a little tricky. Um, and there's a new thing that we're learning that we haven't really done anything yet with, but geo um See, there's geofencing and then there's geo, oh gosh, now I'm drawing a blank, geo leveling. So you could geofence specific levels within a building. So it's like, hey, I oh, want wow. all I want all of the um, new moms on the birthing unit to rent breast pumps from us. So let's geofence just that level of the floor within that, you know, 10 story hospital building. Wow. How cool is that? Yeah, it's it's kind of creepy, you know, every big brother's watching all of us all over, but. So anyways, geofencing has been fun. And of course, the the point of geofencing for anyone that might, you know, not fully understand you're you are converting. So you're you're selecting a geographical area on a map that you put a perimeter around. So then anyone that enters that area is going to at some point later that day or later in the week, see an ad on their desktop or mobile phone with whatever messaging you want them to see. And then um, these companies can measure or they can uh, assess if that person entered, ha had not entered your building. So they entered the geofenced area. So Walgreens, and then after seeing your ad somewhere on their mobile device or desktop, then after that, then they physically come into your location. So it's called a geo conversion. Um, and there's click through rates. And so we're, we're learning. Um, and Katie's doing an awesome job. Nice. Have you guys, uh, had any success with like targeting other businesses, maybe, you know, a health food store, if somebody's paying a premium for, you know, healthy choices, would that make them, you know, an ideal candidate for, you know, functional medicine or something, you know, kind of outside of the traditional, um, 
prescriber offices? Well, that's a great idea. We're going to start that next week. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, we're, we're always trying to add it, do more and more. Um, so no, we haven't done anything like that, but absolutely. You can get super creative. And again, there's so many ways to geofence and target and market. And, you know, it just depends on what your business is trying to do and what type of niche products compounds, you know, we, we've started to, to geofence, um, areas that we think patients might be more open to compounding, you know, Hey, need personalized medicine. Um, you know, so certain demographic populations, like that, uh, or, you know, sure. good, good patients. Yeah. So of course, um, so we're kind of at the tip of the iceberg. I feel like more and more marketing is digital, which, you know, is not news to anybody. Um, and so, yeah, just trying to stay up with the latest trends. Yeah. And so you're not out dancing in the street yet, but you may be able to find some dance moves on TikTok. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, I found a, uh, I actually saved like a, 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 a screenshot of it. So I wouldn't forget to, to mention, but, and, and some like bright orange shoes where you're, uh, kind of, kind of showcasing some, some soccer footwork, I think. <laughs> <laughs> those shoes make me move faster. Yeah, please, please don't release those TikTok videos now. <laughs> Yeah, quick search for Good Day Pharmacy on TikTok, and you'll find some uh, some really fun TikToks where you are just kind of reaching out to you know your your local base with you know a, a, an organic connection where you know you're you're talking to the actual customer base, which I, I think is really fun in a way that is both entertaining and informative. Which is such a hard line to kind of straddle because. Um, you know, you you have to kind of make it worth watching, and if you can bring some professional benefit to it at the same time, you know that's that's really the 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 secret sauce. So tell me a little bit about the uh, TikTok. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Um, it's fun. Uh, Katie was like, "Hey, you're going to be our TikTok person." I was like, "If I have to, I." <laughs> so yeah, she's like, "Hey, these these dance videos are trending, or this X Y Z is trending," and. We, we haven't been super consistent with it yet. Um, so there's a few videos and then we kind of drop off. But yeah, we're just trying to reach the younger uh, younger demographic. You know, typically they're not on a lot of prescription meds. But to your point about functional medicine or just even over-the-counter sales, it's like these are customers too. And, and if we can, again, get our name out there and let people know about us and just be a resource for people like, hey, we're here. Even if we're not promoting Good Day Pharmacy, I, I try to... to Say like, hey, just check out your independent pharmacy. Like they're they're gonna go, they're gonna serve you better, you know, and and probably give you a better experience. So kind of doing it for fun a little bit, um, uh, and you know, just to promote independent pharmacy in general. Yeah, yeah. So you're definitely able to kind of promote some of the services that you guys offer, and if you can get somebody over to the Good Day Pharmacy website from uh, TikTok, then they can find quite a few services that you guys offer. Um, so I did want to talk a little bit about some of those. One of the services that you guys offered that I thought was pretty interesting was the OTC offerings that you guys have uh, with a published list at $249 a month for most quantities, which is a much lower price than a customer is going to find for any of these OTC items, um, you know, shopping, retail, uh, for any of these items. So I, I thought it was pretty interesting that you have that published list. 
and how that has been received? And then how does that actually work at the pharmacy level? Is that something you're buying in bulk? Are you selling these at uh, as white labeled or, or how, how do these OTC items work? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm glad you brought that up. So that is actually for our long-term care residents. Um, so we probably need to make that a little bit more clear. So sure. come into our community pharmacies and, but yeah, um, we, we offer that to all of our long-term care residents. And of course their, uh, their, you know, POAs and, you know, caregivers, things like that to just make it affordable. Cause it's, you know, long-term care residents, their, their family members are buying, you know, big stock bottles at Costco and, you know, King Supers, Walmart, wherever, and bringing it in. And there's just a ton of logistical challenges with that for the staff at the at those long-term care communities. And so it's like, hey, let's just do this. It's basically break even for the most part. It's it's safer. You know, we can blister cart it. So that way uh, residents, you know, stay compliant and it's easy for the the nursing staff and things like that. Um, yeah. So nothing, nothing on the community side. We have, you know, aggressive pricing with our retail OTC gotcha. offering just to compete against, you know, everybody else kind of thing. Yeah. What a great offering in the LTC space though, because like, like you said, the, uh, you know, fish oil, you can imagine having, you know, those giant containers for so many different patients and uh, those OTC items that maybe wouldn't be included in those blister packs. Uh, it's a great idea to have those offerings. Uh, and in that format, um, one of the things that I thought was really cool too is that you guys have so many different resources on the website just to find out about the services and even compare the value of you know other pharmacies, uh, other pharmacy offerings to the Good Day pharmacy offerings. And I thought that was a really cool kind of breakdown that you guys have the true value comparison chart, and then. Um, you know, just information on your diabetes training, on your MedSync program, and how you can sign up for the adherence packaging online. Just a lot of resources, a lot of, you know, really uh, great visibility right there on the website. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying. Um, yeah. And like most independents, you know, you offer a ton of stuff and um, things that you think make a difference. And I'm, I, I'm most proud of our our day pack programs. That's what we call our adherence packs, the strip packaging. Um, our teams are just phenomenal. I mean, the level of of care that those patients receive that are on that day pack program is just crazy. Uh, with those changes, duplications, um, patients wanting certain meds in the pack and not in the pack, like we have some some Slack channels and the teams work together and there's just a lot of collaboration. And it's like Med MedSync is great and MedSync is awesome for course us the doctor and the patient but that day packs is is like next level where you're just totally helping that patient manage their meds empower them make sure everything is is uh is correct in there what time of day you're taking it and it's it's wild to you know as a pharmacist to check a prescription and hey take take one tablet by mouth nightly and the patient's like no i take this every morning i want it in the 8 a.m slot you're like, wait, no, you need to be taking that at night because it's working out overnight or, you know, so it just opens up a lot of opportunity to engage with patients and make a difference. And it sometimes the dosing doesn't matter, but sometimes it does. And when they tell you when they're taking it, that is so, so valuable. So if anyone's, you know, contemplating offering a adherence program um, or a, a strip packaging program or dispill or even just manual blister cards, you're going to get a lot more information from your customers and it's going to be valuable to you and then therefore valuable to them. Yeah. 
And so, of course, you know, you have to have that MedSync kind of in place to be able to move into that adherence packaging space. Um, are you including your like OTC offerings in that adherence packaging as well? Yes. Of course, yeah. If we if they want to add OTC supplements, anything, we we absolutely add it into the either sync or into the date pack program, which is nice. nice in Pioneer. You can add those, you know, onto the patient's profile. So even though it's not a prescription, it's like, hey, add that in there. So then you can do sync prep message and, uh, you know, make sure those patients continue to reorder things that they want and things that they need and get it synced up and get it packed up as well. Yeah, yeah. That's another part of the challenge is once you once you get a program implemented is continuing to implement and make sure it's executed, uh, whether that's, you know, a patient's initial med sync and, and keeping all of those drugs synced. But then you know, when you have a discussion about those nutrient depletions or why they should be taking a multivitamin or, or whatever they're taking over the counter to make sure that it's not a one-time uh, sale and to make sure that they're continuing that month after month. Uh, so yeah, including that in your sink, so important. Um, it, it's interesting that these are these are things that I, I feel like most independent most independent pharmacies are, you know, implementing in their pharmacy and and trying to keep moving in a single location. And there's a lot of moving parts that you know even in a in a in a single location it can be hard to operationalize and 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 keep that going month after month without losing focus or something else, you know, moving higher on the importance list. So, you know, kind of a two-part question, I guess, um, you know, when you, when you do introduce programs uh, like adding OTC to their adherence packaging, if you weren't doing it before, and, and how do you kind of operationalize that on a single location and then, you know, a, a step higher, I guess, uh, and, and maybe that higher step of thinking about multiple locations being able to follow the same process, you know, do you think that maybe that gives you a more clear vision of how to execute at the individual level because you have to zoom out a little bit further? Yeah, yeah, no, all really good questions. And first off, hats off to those single store operator owners, like, holy cow, you are you are wearing so many hats and to your point, we'll get, they're getting pulled in a million directions. And so, uh, I like to encourage people. So anyone listening that's operating a single store, like, man, keep, keep doing what you're doing. It's making a difference. Um, you know, lean on your network of colleagues to help. And, you know, and that's, I think that's why independent pharmacies can thrive too, is working with each other, you know, a little, com little healthy competition, you know, is, is a good thing you know independence at times can kind of compete on the same turf um but there's always plenty of business to pull from chain pharmacies so if you can lean on others in your area whether it's a gpo or you know your state pharmacist society like man like lean into those people but um yeah so in terms of implementing something we we because we have a lot of locations and we're we're blessed to have a ton of locations and well i just get to sit back here in the office and the teams just take <laughs> care of everything man i'm you know, I'm, the teams just think I'm getting massages here. No, um, but <laughs> we it, it starts with hiring the right people. So if you have the right people, then um, to pull from uh, atomic habits, right? It, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. So that's, you know, just such a popular quote. And it's so, so true. So even if you have a great 
goal, it's like, well, you need a good system. And, and more importantly, you need the right people. The right people can take a terrible system and make it great. But if you have the wrong people, even a great system and a great process is not going to work. So it starts with evaluating your team and evaluating who, who's going to take on this new project or new initiative or who is going to launch MedSync. Because man, like we should have done MedSync 10 years ago, but hey, let's better start now, you know, um, better late than never kind of thing. So the way we like to kind of roll out initiatives and new operational um you know, uh, projects is start, start with one location, you know, let's start with a location where, where it makes sense for that patient group. Like there, this is a need of the patients in Greeley, you know? And so let's start with Greeley or, Hey, this, this technician is very, very passionate about this, man. Let's give them, let's give them the project. So, um, we like to think who before how, so instead of how, who start with who, um, and identify who's going to just be excited about it and passionate about it and who's gifted at doing that project. Um, start with one location, kind of tweak it, adjust, you know, adjust your pioneer settings. Like how do you actually integrate this into workflow? Um, and just from a big picture, like when we're looking at all of our locations and trying to roll out something across the organization, it has to be a win for three categories. So it has to be a win for the patient, which is obvious, right? Like the patient has to benefit from this. It has to be a win for the business uh, economically. Like, does this make sense financially? Is this beneficial? Is this going to be sustainable? And then lastly, what's been what I would consider a success is it has to be a win for the team. What you are trying to do, if you can make it easier for the team, if this, if doing XYZ or implementing sync ultimately leads to the team having less stress or it'd be easy for the team or, Hey, they're going to just want to do this because it's less work for them. Those three things, a win for the patient team and business, like that's, that's the sweet spot. Um, and so with MedSync specifically, of course, it's, it's hard to get off the ground. Starting is always the hardest part. Um, but if you can get the who to empower the team and champion the process, you know, awesome. Uh, and then, uh, in terms of, you know, even for us specifically, MedSync to day packs, it's like, oh my gosh, that sounds hard. Like, how is that easier for the team? So because we've mm-hmm. central filled it. Yeah, so um, should probably dive into that uh, with a little bit of explanation for anybody who uh, does not have a central fill. Good Day has actually implemented a, a really amazing central fill um uh, kind of workflow that uh, I know you've worked with, you know, a lot of the Pioneer RX team and some other partners. Uh, so it's a really impressive uh, central fill model that obviously not everyone is going to be able to uh, emulate in their community. But again, I, I think once you kind of operationalize that um, that process, you you can start to have those same benefits, even you know, on a smaller scale or a different scale. But uh, I think it's interesting you started with finding the right person because I, I'm always curious. Every trade show I go to, you know, when I, I sit through as many CEs as I can, and um, there there's so many people asking great questions and taking notes and and getting excited about a new idea, and you wonder how often those are going to be implemented because there's always more great ideas than there is time to implement. Um, but creating that 
that champion at, at store level seems like a, a great way to, you know, both delegate and and give your team ownership and and something to be excited about. Like there there's so many positives that can kind of come from that initial from from that being the step one. Yeah, yeah, agree. And in MedSync, to give credit where credit's due, Stacy, a technician of ours, she went to a Pioneer Connect conference years ago and learned about sync and she became our sync champion. And from there, you know, it, it grew and spread across all of our, our teams. And, and so, yeah, if you send the right people to the conference or you have them attend certain training, you know, if you power the team, they're going to, they, they love it. Cause it's like, sweet. Like I have purpose now what I'm doing, I'm working on this new project. Um, you know, it's, it's challenging me. I'm learning. I'm developing, you know, growing as a leader. And it certainly doesn't need to be a pharmacy manager. Um, you know, it doesn't need to be someone with a leader title. So yeah, our technicians are just phenomenal and and sending people to the, you know, exposing them to things that we think they might be interested in, just, you know, their eyes open. And, and from there, it's like, all right, I'm out of your way now. It's that's what I was joking about earlier. It's like, all I, all I do is, you know, just identify people to take on things that I think they'll be really good at and give them the tools to be successful and then just get out of their way. And hey, how can I support and help along the way? So that's uh, that's our model, or at least mine. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as, as the operations officer there, you have the uh, the responsibility to make sure that it leaves that, uh, you know, that ownership or, or, you know, grows from that that one person who's passionate about it into uh, a format that's scalable. And I feel like that is an an opportunity for a pitfall in a lot of independent pharmacies where, you know, if somebody owns a process, um, sometimes it, it can be problematic to the point of, you know, that person is sick this week. And, and so we didn't have that process, you know, really grow outside of that, that person's role. Um, you know, so how do you go about making that, that new process with that champion and building that into a scalable model that's transferable and, and, uh, you know, kind of bulletproof that, that plan of action? Yeah, you bet. Good, great question. And we're we're still learning and figuring things out. Um, we're certainly not perfect, but yeah, if if you identify a champion to take on that new project, of course you want them teaching, coaching, empowering others underneath them or cross training. You know, if you have a lead tech and like, oh my gosh, they have the burden all on their shoulders. When that person is gone, this week is going to be chaos. You know, and so no one wants that. And and we've learned too. It's it's. Those that are passionate and want to do a good job, they they take that burden and that that weight on their shoulders themselves. And so, uh, we love uh, we love one on ones. So the manager at every location, you know, just connecting one on one with each team member, like, hey, like, is how are you doing? Like, are is there? Do you have the right amount of work? Do you have the right amount of support? Do you do we need to have someone kind of co share the burden with you? And who do you think that is? And so just asking a lot of questions, having a one-on-one. And so if, you know, if, if it's a team of two, which we have, you know, we have one pharmacist, one tech, it is a lot. And those two people are doing a lot and they're wearing every hat and it is hard. And just the reality when one of them's gone, it's not going to be as smooth and efficient as you can grow and, and kind of uh, bring new team members in as the business grows and as revenue grows, then, then of course you can start to uh, kind of dilute that burden and, and share the burden. Um, but yeah, big on cross-training, um, big on 
you know, just our, our teams all being a resource to each other, just helping each other, you know, Hey, we were short this week because of pioneer, we can workload balance and, you know, we're, we're geographically close. And so we can do data entry for other locations that might be understaffed. And so obviously, you know, there's not everyone's in our situation. Again, we're grateful and, and blessed, but um, yeah, if you're one location, just choose deciding, deciding what is most important and what is most effective. You can't do everything, you know, and if you try to do everything, it's, you know, everyone is going to get burnt out. So choosing what's most important and identifying who can uh, kind of carry, you know, uh, kind of spread the load, if you will. Sure. So as you've kind of grown all these services, um, you know, you guys are definitely offering quite a few different services to your patients. How do you fit those into that model? Are you, are you kind of moving, you know, into like the appointment based model? Do you, do you really have uh, a lot of, you know, requirements during your sync call that your uh, that your team is following to make sure that they're delivering those opportunities? Or are you following up with kind of text or mail outs? Like, how do you keep the patient informed enough to take advantage of those opportunities and those services and, and make sure that your team's kind of in the loop with uh, follow up? Yeah, we don't do any of that, Will. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, great question. Um, it, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, you know, we do all the traditional stuff to keep patients informed, the little bag stuffers and what's, you know, what's our wildly important goal or wildly important focus this month? You know, what do we want to be focused on? And cause you know, with flu season around the corner, it's like, okay, all this other stuff is probably just going to go on the back burner. And now we're going to start talking about vaccines, you know, flu, pneumonia, shingrix, Tdap, COVID, TBD. Um, you know, and that open enrollment. So you got to be focused and, and choose what you want to inform the the customer about. And then if they want to know more and learn about other resources, like then, you know, a website or something that you can point them to like, hey, if you're, if that was great, if you liked your vaccine, if you had a good experience, like, hey, check us out. There's a lot of other stuff we can do, you know? And so little just touch points at the counter, um, you know, hey, if you know somebody that would benefit from this, uh, you know, if you have, uh, you know, materials near your point point of sale um you know it it's all about the relationship if you know the customer and you know what their needs are then you can tailor all the different services that you have to that specific person versus like we want to market everything to everyone that that doesn't work And, and everyone knows that um so getting to know your customer asking the right questions and then just giving them what you think would benefit that nice so uh, a couple of years ago when Vicky was on, uh, it was kind of in the middle of uh, COVID, you know, uh, immunizations were still, uh, you know, just taking everybody's time. Um, and she had a great comment where she was like, I don't even remember what like we were doing before COVID because it was so crazy during that time period. Uh, so for most pharmacies, I feel like now we've kind of gotten back into a, a normal, a new normal or uh, whatever normal it is. Um, so with, with that kind of return, have you seen any long-term changes that came from the COVID-19 era uh, or were there things that you were really excited to implement once things kind of got back to uh, a little bit of normality? Um 
you know, what are, what is business like post COVID? Yeah, it's much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, still still busy as ever. You know, as everyone would agree with. Uh, we yeah we and we like that appointment model. I think that was a big shift and, and a helpful one to be more proactive. You know, so we certainly still do appointments for all of our vaccines. We do appointments for point of care testing, um, appointments for consultations. You know, we've and then we've um, put everything on you know, digital format or electronic format because so many people are on their phones and, you know, on screens and like now everything's, you know, ordering online. So it's like, all right, let's make sure all of our resources and transfer in form, you know, like that's probably been the easiest thing to transfer patients in is just instead of taking a phone call and spending five minutes, like writing down every medication that they need transferred, just point them to your website, you know, um, fill out the form, it comes right to us. We'll take it from there. We'll follow up. So trying to, you know, just um, continue with that momentum because people are used to, you know, paying online now, paying ahead. You know, I know Pioneer is, is uh, what, a couple days away from the the payment facilitation process. <laughs> the, the click to pay still still a couple days out. Yep. People like technology. They, they're used to it now. Let them use it. Let them engage with you as they like to. And maybe that's in the middle of the night. They're not going to call your pharmacy in the middle of the night to transfer, but they're going to use your transfer in page or they're going to sign up for an appointment. Um, and then, of course, because pharmacy in general, just again, commending all of pharmacy and all of the listeners like, man, pharmacy stepped up a ton, you know, during COVID and let's keep that momentum going and uh, continue to be the most accessible healthcare provider uh, in pharmacy, pharmacy techs too, uh, pharmacists and pharmacy techs, but most accessible, most impactful, especially in a, a critical situation in public health emergency. But yeah, so we're just, we're trying to, I guess that's maybe a shift we've, we've taken is being more proactive legislatively and, um, you know, how do we continue that momentum to, to be reimbursed appropriately and provider status and all those good things. So we're, we're in that fight with the rest of the group too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that was a great point about just the, you know, consumers kind of uh, comfort level with technology. Um, if you asked me to scan a QR code to view the menu before COVID, I would be like, well, this is very novel. And, and now it's just the way it's done in a lot of places. So I love that your website has those forms that you can actually fill out online and, and get that, uh, get pharmacy to reach out to you. I mean, personally, I've been putting off for like a month. I know I need to get in for an annual visit with my uh, general physician. And during business hours, I'm not thinking about it. You know, it's when you when you can relax uh, after hours and, you know, you're worried about your personal life that, you know, you, you think about those and, oh, okay. Yet again, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, so uh, legislation and uh, advocacy, always uh, super important. Uh, so anything exciting going on in Colorado these days? Colorado's got a lot of good things going for it. Pharmacists can do a lot. Um, we can prescribe in various categories that a lot of states can't. And I just learned yesterday that some states still don't allow their pharmacists to vaccinate. It's like, oh my gosh, like that is so unfortunate. And so, um, again, how can we kind of pull together and just move pharmacy as a whole forward. Um, we've met with some local uh, staffers, you know, for some uh, uh, house of rep 
uh, House of Representatives and just educated them on, you know, PBM transparency and provider status and things like that. And, and it's, it's crazy when you start to describe what is happening to just all of pharmacy and specifically independent pharmacy. It's like, they are just mind blown when you talk about DIR fees, when you talk about underwater claims and like, yeah, like, do you know of any other business that loses money to sell you something? And, you know, you don't go into a store and expect that store to lose money to sell you something and or provide a service. And and so because, again, circling back to how bad pharmacy experience across the country is in general, because most of, most people are using chain pharmacy, it's now is a great time to talk about how independent pharmacies can be different. And yeah. hey, we, we have sync, we have day packs, we have you know, all these niche products in the front end that are probably higher quality and all these services that we can do. And, and of course, chain pharmacies are trying to do all those services too, but do you want to wait in line for two hours or do you want to show up and the store be closed, you know? And so, um, when you talk to these individuals, they're, they're definitely open because they're like, yeah, I just was at pharmacy such and such and they were closed or now was the fifth time I went back after them texting me, it was ready and it's still not ready. And, uh, so again, great time to transfer patients in and a great time to talk to, uh, policymakers. Yeah. Um, recently we had, uh, Kevin Duane, uh, from Panama pharmacy down in Florida, join us. And, uh, back on May 23rd, he was at the hearing for the, uh, third party prescription drug programs. And, um, it w- it was a really, really great, um, uh, meeting to watch on C-SPAN and, you know, Buddy Carter had some great lines there and um, it, it, it was a really fun uh, article that uh, the testimony that Kevin Duane delivered. So I think we actually linked that in our, uh, in his episode too. So you're, you're right. When those representatives hear the, the firsthand stories, they are um, often shocked and appalled. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yep. And it's like, man, all these rural community pharmacies, like how are they supposed to survive? And then how is that a good thing to, you know, only allow mail order or only allow, you know, something that's not going to work for a local community? It's like, man, we got to, you know, encourage or we got to, there's got to be some changes to to make it sustainable for independent pharmacies, especially those in rural communities for the the patients they serve. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of changes that are they're underway, a lot of legislation out there. Uh, the DIR apocalypse uh, is looming and moving to the um, to the point of sale. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> um, so 2024 seems promising. Uh, it, it seems like there's definitely a momentum uh, and there's definitely some awareness. So what else do you see for 2024 as we're kind of working towards the fourth quarter of the year? Yeah, definitely a big government bailout to pharmacy, Will. <laughs> um, yeah, it, we're, again, I'm I'm optimistic in my team. You know, uh, I, I don't have rose-colored rose colored glasses on, but I, there's opportunity. I'm optimistic. Um, you know, there's, we're still finding ways to win. Others are still finding ways to win. And so we are shifting um, as we head into Q4 to, um, more front end it's very natural and easy to just be so focused behind the counter and you know workflow optimization and getting out as many scripts as possible and inventory and ordering and sync and all those good things which absolutely has to be done we're just trying to 
educate and empower our teams to be more focused on the front. And mm-hmm. truthfully, it's it's a win-win. If we can get customers coming in and you know they transfer in, they're on 10 meds. All right, let's get you on sync. So that way you take all the meds that you need to be taking. And then let's start to talk about like, are these meds working? Do you need to be on all these meds? Are there things you can do differently to and you know, for us to de-prescribe or work with your provider to to take you off some of these meds and shift you to a service, a class, a supplement, um, something that's probably going to be better long term for the customer, you know, and more sustainable for the pharmacy. It's like, man, if we can just sell supplements and you know help that patient with lifestyle modifications and coach them and have them in a DPP class or something, like that's a win for everybody, and that's more exciting for a pharmacy team too. You know, people like to, especially those Gen Zs out there, like to buy into a mission and, you know, uh, work for a company that's making a difference. And so if you yeah. can provide that that structure for them, like, man, help these patients. Like, you have a role, you're empowered to take care of these people and, and they're your patients. And so that's what we're kind of shifting towards in Q4 and then certainly in 2024. Um, Whitney, Whitney Osborne's our, one of our pharmacists and she's our uh, director of pharmacy operations. And she's very focused on clinical work and getting certain grants and just building relationships with local organizations. And and she's got a ton of good ideas on how to help our teams um, provide services that pharmacists can do and pharmacy technicians can do that are on the clinical side. So, of course, everyone's talking clinical and what can you do, point of care testing, things like that. And and yeah, there's, there's ways to win um, and ways to shift away from PBM and away from DIR fees. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, there's so many names for it and and classifications for it, you know, whether it's functional medicine or, you know, clinical interventions. And, you know, there's there's lots of fun ways to, you know, kind of kind of label that. But really, you know, I, I think you touched on 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 the like deeper personal uh, skill. There's kind of selling that mission or, or that purpose, you know, having that purpose. Even companies that sell products like Apple uh, don't necessarily sell products. They sell that bigger mission really well. You know, they, uh, I know Simon Sinek loves talking about their their why is, you know, they, they sell lifestyle products that happen to be uh, electronics. And having that same kind of approach, you know, from a business angle definitely makes sense. But it's definitely a better way to spend your day, you know, making a difference, uh, having a purpose. So if you can uh, combine those two, that sounds like a really winning combination. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right. So coming up at the hour, I'm going to let you go ahead and get back to it. I know you've got lots going on there in Loveland. So thanks so much for joining us and uh, can't wait to catch up with you soon and see what's changed over the next uh, 2024. Yeah. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Keep doing the the good work that you're doing and looking forward to listening to future podcasts. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts, presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform.